just a it's a different game now. Um, it's more measured, a little bit slower, much more capital involved. Bitcoin has really crossed that chasm now to impact mm. traditional finance very clearly in this year. Hello there. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now the football season started, it's been a strange start to the season. Tottenham started well, but obviously they fell apart. Typical Tottenham stuff and Liverpool are crushing it, but it's a bit tied up there. Other teams are doing very well. Now listen, with Sportsbet, you've got everything covered. Not only do they cover football, but they support tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even have esports. And for new customers, there is always a range of promotions available. If you want to find out more, then please head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T. Next up, we have Extra's Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, UX is super important to me. So when the Extra's team reached out to me, I spent some time playing with the app. And you know what? They crushed it. The experience is amazing, which is why I'm happy to recommend it to you, my friends and my family. Now, the Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address known that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So make sure you check it out yourself at Exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Next up, it's Casa, the safest way to store your Bitcoin. Now, listen, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps and phishing attacks there are just too many ways for you to have your Bitcoin lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. Because with Casa's multi-sig wallet, you can take custody of Bitcoin, but only move by signing transactions from multiple wallets. Ones that you get to distribute into different locations, which is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more, you can reach out to me over email or drop me a DM on Twitter. I've been a customer for over a year and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. This is the Harvening channel, isn't it? This is the Harvening episode, is it? This is the Harvening. Well, it was yesterday, yeah. Four years, man. I can't believe it. Uh, I'm trying to think wow. about it. it. It's so weird because it feels like longer than f- four years. Um, it feels like, I don't know, man. I saw a photo from that first interview and I'm like, I'm not grey. <laughs> I'm in better shape. But look now, I'm like, fuck, I've got grey. <laughs> I've got fat. <laughs> Big, Bitcoin years kill you, man. Oh, yeah, it's on fast forward. I, mean, I was looking at SPF when I first met him. He was like really lean and like, I don't know. Now he's like, like you could see the almost, he's aged, eh, the, the amount. I mean, the guy's kind of built an empire in the last, what was it, two years? <laughs> so, two years, but yeah, man. this is crypto, fast forward. Um, moves, yeah, moves quick, but it like, it feels, I don't know, it doesn't, it feels like I've been doing this a lot longer than four years. But yeah, here we no, are, man. Four and years. It's, it's, and we're going to talk fast, right? Because this is a 30-minute episode since we're halvening, right? <laughs> yeah, we're halving yeah, the episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait. In, in a couple of years, in, what is it, eight years, I'll be doing like seven and a half minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mainstream, you have to cut it down to the 15-minute YouTube link, otherwise people won't be interested anymore. What, 15-minute episodes with six minutes of ads? I don't, I don't know how well that will go down. Oh, yeah, you got to pack it in, right? Yeah, pack it in. 16 okay. million downloads I've done. I think you're probably... Wow. I wonder if I've done a million with you. I reckon I've done like, maybe what, like... One sixth? One sixteenth? One sixteenth? You, oh, you, could, you could be. You could be. When we play with the titles, we get the numbers up. I, it's definitely... It would be definitely about at least 750. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to sharing one sixteenth of your fortune with me. Dude, you don't need my fortune. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need that at all. Mm, I need it. Well, I'm in a lawsuit. See. Are you, oh, are you, yeah, you are. Do you, is it is that being funded by the community or something? No, I'm funding it. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. Is it going well or no? <laughs> I can't even talk about it. Let's talk about that oh, another okay. time. All right. Uh, okay. He he he's uh, his judgment's coming in the US probably on Monday, and it looks okay. like it looks like he might owe a couple hundred billion. So I don't know. I don't know what the impact of that will be. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let's talk about the good shit. Uh, Willie, okay. So, 
I think it's been a weird year. I think it's been a really weird year. I think it started out how, well, when I say a year, I mean I'm going back to like March of last year. I think the ball run started how we expected and then we've had this like big dip earlier in the year, like a mini ball market and now we've kind of like, we got back up, we tagged 69 and like, but it, it doesn't feel like 2017. It probably does if you're no. trading Solano and shit like that, but in Bitcoin terms, it doesn't feel like 2017 at all. Oh, absolutely not, right? And oh, and you can even go back to January, January twenty twenty, right? Because like uh, first quarter, um, we had that COVID scare, and like this thing whipped down like crazy. And I think actually the markets are there's a bit of a hangover of that, right? Because like um, you know, I mean, I remember seeing on chain accumulation happening all through that COVID dip. Um, and it was a wicked dip, right? Ten thousand down to eventually below four, I think, on Bitmax. Yep. Um, like three seven or something crazy over like mm-hmm. forty eight hours, and and actually um, a lot of people were scooping out coins as an inflation hedge, um, and as it turned out later, and and that it led us into twenty twenty one of this explosion, and it's a different. Um, Different game in town and different players in town. You know, that brought in um, very high net worth people, hedge funds, the Michael Saylors of this world of corporate treasuries, um, sovereign, the beginning of sovereign wealth, um, mutual funds like New Zealand's mutual funds, uh, retirement funds came in. Like So it sort of hit the big leagues. Um, and now we've got this mainstream adoption happening and very sophisticated you know, markets um, that traditional markets are used to. We've got futures very well developed. We've got now got ETFs. Um, so all manner of different instruments, options, that's now very mature. So that's not 2017. 2017 was very simple, spot trading. It's like you buy, you you know, you buy on Kraken, you might start seeing it into Kraken or Coinbase. And, you, and then if you were to buy some like altcoins, you would... You know, withdraw your bitcoins, and then you'd buy altcoins with your bitcoins. Um, and even that's changed because now that's all done on Ethereum um, and some of these newer protocols, and that's all done by smart contracts. So mm-hmm. all that volume's gone. Um, like, just the whole behavior is different. And maybe the altcoins are pumping in a bull market like they always do, but um, it's even that's quite different. And the the stuff that is reaching the top ten is now you know, legitimately got network effects and people building actually useful things with it. Um, yeah, it's completely different. Whereas 2017, it's full of, that was like the dot-com bubble, um, pie-in-the-sky ideas, people were raising money off um, photocopied white papers, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a different era right now and it's like, well, this is our mainstream year where we're across the um, chasm in the Western world. What is it? Is it 30 and a half percent? of the population getting exposure, that's the chasm. And I think the surveys show that in the States, at least, it's it's well and truly crossed that. And so now we're in the mainstream and you've got politicians talking it down and, you know, was it Hillary Clinton saying oh, it might you know, you know, disrupt the US dollar as a reserve asset, so even the politicians are bullish on it. <laughs> So, you know, it's a very different year from 2017. 2017 was like geological age um, past, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, this cycle is the full Monty of welcome to, um, I don't know, the world. Bitcoin meets traditional macro. I've learned massive from these kind of like, you know, macro traditional macro guys, um, you know, Raul Powell, Preston Pish, Pish, Preston Pish, um, you know, Plan B. They all bring like a lot of the Wall Street um, games and the institutional side of thinking to it. And mm. so I myself have learned heaps, right? Um, and it's been a real education this this year. Um, so, yeah, and also the on-chain stuff's gotten um, almost getting out there into the mainstream. It just had exposure on CNBC, uh, like today or yesterday. Um, 
And yeah, so that's sort of making waves as well. So yeah, I mean, uh, you've got a you got Will Clemente out there now. Your little twelve. Year, I mean, what is he? Twelve? He's your like coming after you. Oh, I think he's a little bit older than twelve. Um, is he thirteen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, someone was saying was it? He's on it with Dylan, right? Dylan, you had him on the show, and now he's like crushing it. <laughs> it's like the two little Ninja Turtles um, having a talk with who was the the rat, the the master um, Splinter. Splinter, yeah, it was. It's like the Ninja Turtles and Splinter on a show, and so it's very <laughs> apt, eh? Um, yeah, it's cool, man. The new generation coming out. Um, good attitude too. Dude, so, I love those yeah. two. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, they're so smart. Like, I, 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 God knows what I was doing at their age, but probably being a complete idiot somewhere. Uh, but it's like, it fills me full of confidence that there's like new breed, a super smart kid coming in. They, uh, they get it. So it's it's more than just super smart. They, there's a lot of wisdom inside mm. inside um, what the you know. With, there's just a lot of wisdom there, like um, from a young age, you know, they've got their shit together. Um, like, I don't think I had my shit together at that age. <laughs> yeah, anyway. You know, I might have been smart at that age, but I didn't have my shit together. No, I, I was neither smart or had my shit together. I was a fucking mess, but... Uh... Mm. Anyway, okay, I've got a load of things to talk to you about as ever. First thing I want to talk to you about is... Uh, uh, Plan B's S2F model, because it looks like it might finally break unless we get a jump of about 40K in the next, uh, 38K in the next, what is it, six, five days? I think the model uh, breaks. I'd be willing to take a bet on that that's going to break, but it's not actually the stop-to-flow model that's breaking. Um, no. That's very hard to break. It's a very long time frame, and it can swing high and low by huge amounts. This yep. is his latest floor model, which he nailed the last few months in a row. Um, and it's a technical model. I think he said it was a technical model, um, though he, it's mixed because he also says on-chain in there. But, yeah, it's it's using, I think it's using a lot of technical, um, you know, mean reversion-y things. I don't know. He hasn't d- disclosed what it is. But uh, I think that's going to break. Um, I had a floor model. That broke too. Like, that pretty... You put your reputation online if you have a floor model. <laughs> Not to break this. Well, when it breaks in all markets, um, markets can do anything, right? Um, so, um, but fortunately, he's on a sailing trip, so um, he with minimal internet access. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't need to like respond to um, everyone like going. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? And it's like, well, I don't think we're going to do what? What is it? Thirty something thousand move. Um, where are we at? Fifty-eight, four thirty-four. We need. Yeah, yeah. That's it's not going to happen, guys. Um, sorry, but it's not. Um, not from what I'm seeing. Um, no. Nope. You know, any like it'd have to be a black swan, like or a white, like reverse black swan or whatever <laughs> to do that. Um, mm. Just like there's nothing out of the norm happening here. Um, you know, it's just very constant accumulation by long-term investors. It's looking healthy. It's not like this thing's going to blow out of the water. Um, and there's not enough shorts in the system to squeeze it that fast. Um, we've got longs in the system that need to cool off, and it has been. And so when you've got longs in the system, it's very hard for the price to rise quickly. You know, fast moves happen from short guys getting taken out and being forced to buy back. I mean, I don't think, uh, like I said, I've been saying for a while, really, I don't think this cycle, this whole kind of market cycle breaking is a bad thing. I think it's quite a good thing. Like, we're hitting that stage where we have a nation state and other nation states looking and large companies looking. And I I, I mean, volatility is fine, but I think the massive run-ups and 80% drawdowns over two years, you know, I, I don't think they're helpful for what we need Bitcoin to do next. No, it would totally wreck El Salvador for starters. Um, mm. And I think the size of it now, it's a lot harder to have that kind of um, drawdown. Um, touch wood, you know, everyone can be made an idiot um, by saying particular things and then it going doing the other. Yeah, but it's it's there's a lot of weight in the system. A lot of uh, you know, it's a it's a huge amount of capital. It's not like 2017 where it was light and you could push it around. 
Um, and there's these different demand and supply equations in, in the system now. And um, so like with the advent of futures markets, um, I think it's going to make it very difficult for us to have this sort of FOMO, um, you know, mania phase in a bluff top because, um, you know, you can short this thing now. And so as this thing's going into overheatedness, it's very incentivized for you to bring in shorts into the system. Um, and you're not even trading. You can just do the market neutral cash and carry trade. I'll buy some Bitcoin and I'll short it. And as it goes in a FOMO, um, I collect the massive demand for funding long positions. I'll provide the other side and that that will cool the thing off. And, um, you know, like what we just saw in the maybe February to um, May zone where it had a sort of a distribution top, rounded top, and then a, a mini bear. Maybe that's more of the shape of the future, a rounded top, mini bear, and then another progression up, and we just keep doing that dance. Um, but we've talked about, I've talked about at least in the past many times, that if we continue like that in this kind of new world of very developed futures markets and ETFs and and so forth um, that will probably just continue like the way we have. We have different demand and supply with, you know, shorting. Um, we've got a lot of um, selling down from different um, infrastructure players. Like, um, you know, if you think of miners, they're an infrastructure mm -hmm. um, component and they make money and then they sell it to realize that money to pay for their OPEX. And the same thing with an ETF. They provide a service and then they're going to make a fee and they're going to sell it down. Um, same with exchanges, features exchanges, same with Grayscale. So it's, you know, all these different um, demand and supply effects now and it's it's uh, it's a new game. We didn't have that in 2017. The miners were the only game in town and when they halved, like, this step change built a bullish run and then we went into FOMO and mania and um, and there was no shorting to be able to, no real way you could short um, and put cool down the heat of that, that run up. Um, so, yeah, it's different. I think it's very different. And I've been calling this the last cycle as in, um, a bit like Michael the Saylor. Um, there is, it's going up forever, Laura, you know. Um, it just keeps going and finds its price discovery in a random walk. We did a 50% pullback. Um, you may call that a bear. I may actually think that may have been, you may have called that a bear market now, like a mini bear market, like mm. recovers in three months, um, rather than the standard Bitcoin bear market, which is like a nine months or more and 85% drawdown. Um, maybe that is a new bear market and we just had our first one. Um, yeah, so it's different. How, I agree. How how is the uh, spot? Um, sorry, the ETF futures that have come into the market. How do they have they have they affected things at all? It's there's definitely demand. These billions of dollars that went into it, um, and like it's regulated, right? So all of that demand ends up on the CME, which is a futures cash settled market. And um, they have limits to the CME. So, like, even though there's maybe a lot of demand, there's only a certain amount of um, long positions, which is what you're buying. You're buying a long position on Bitcoin when you buy the ETF. There's only so much that you can buy, right? Because mm -hmm. um, they have limits um, because it's regulated. And so, but, you know, as that grows, what happens is... Um, what we call Cantango, which is the price that the futures contract sells above the spot price, that Contango, that increase in value on that futures contract, starts to push up more. And as that pushes up more, um, it's very attractive if you're an institutional fund or anyone really that wants high yield on the US dollar. And not be exposed to the volatility of Bitcoin or any of these emerging risk-on assets. Um, they go, oh, look, I just want good yield. And so typically we've had 15, 20% um, annualized yield by shorting the futures. They're actually taking the CMEs, you know, or the futures ETF through the CME and 
taking the other side of that paper contract um, and buying Bitcoin so you're fully hedged because those two eventually settle together once it expires. Um, but effectively, the yields from these guys doing the cash and carry, the yield making um, play, it becomes very attractive. Instead of going 15, 20%, you can go higher, right? Like back earlier this year, I think the cash and carry trade was around 20, 25% um, on the CME when things was really right bullish. Um, the cash and carry trade on um, Binance and FTX and those guys were even up to, I think, the 30 to 35 equivalent. There was like a 5 to 10% higher yield because, um, like, I think a lot of the funds that were playing that game were actually regulated players on the CME in the US and they they were taking the yield. But now we've got, you know, this futures ETF coming in and they're pushing that contango up and there's um, there's more yield to be had and that just translates to a lot more interest from institutional players that don't want to be exposed to Bitcoin, but they want to do something better than like five percent from a junk bond or even worse from a you know a proper you know treasury bond. Um, so I think that just draws more and more money in, and again that that's going to provide dampening on the um, you know that those kind of FOMO we get in the in the bull markets traditionally. Um, yeah, so it's it's just a it's a different game now. Um, it's more measured, a little bit slower, much more capital involved. Really interesting if you're looking about at um, bigger games like macroeconomics and um, m- you know macro finance rather than just the, the you know Bitcoin has really crossed that chasm now to impact mm. traditional finance very clearly in this year, from going from very early to um, now really there, and I remember Novogratz was saying in, was it 2017, the herd is coming, the herd is coming, but we had no infrastructure. Like, there was not good custody solutions. There was all sorts of things that needed to be ironed out. And in the bear market of 2018 and 2019, all that stuff got built. And now 2020, we've we're um, they're coming because it's ready and um, it's getting more and more interesting. And, you know, like... The volcano bonds, <laughs> you know, that's people doing really interesting things with with um, Bitcoin right now. Mm. Well, I'm going to come back to the volcano bonds, but so are you constantly having to adapt your own thinking and strategy? And has this come as a surprise to you this year? Have you been like, holy shit, this isn't this isn't what I'm used to? Like, or are the fundamentals still similar? Just the the performance is different. Oh, I said at the beginning of this year that, like, I'm not making any, um, like, they're saying, um, like, when is the top and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I don't know, but, like, I'll tell you <laughs> when we get closer. And so my, my kind of guiding light is just to look at um, the fundamentals, like on-chain fundamentals and the fundamentals of um, the different exchanges and yields and that sort of thing. And... Um, and so it's constantly changing. And actually, if you're an on-chain analyst, you're, what worked one year doesn't work the other because the network changes on its own. But now we've got these other things, impacts. And really, you have to take account of all of it. And it's always changed. Um, like even calling the bottom in 20, effectively early part of 2019, um, that game had changed there already before all this stuff came in. Like um, the data had changed and we were seeing like it was weird. We don't have enough volume to call a button and then like had to figure out why there wasn't any volume and try and correct for it. And like so even the network on its own, like SegWit came in and you had to account for it. Um, So it's always changing. Um, So I don't know if I'm surprised. I learned a lot. I very learned a lot about how other markets work and how you know, futures and, and whatnot and the arbitrage plays you can do within crypto. A lot of the stuff I've learned. And um, so, but I don't know if I was surprised. I, I was like, oh, I have no idea. So when you have no idea, I don't think you can be so surprised. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Go, but, going back to uh, Plan B's uh, S2F model, there was a thing, did you see the thing that came out from Huobi Research? No, what did they say? They uh, suggested it has failed because he's not accounting for the impact of tapering and raised interest rates on market liquidity that institutions and people will have less money to invest in risky assets. 
So um, I don't think that is a valid argument um, mm-hmm. because if you really understand stock to flow, he's creating a valuation um, based on scarcity, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and he defines scarcity as the limit of stock to how much of that is coming in. Um, and then he can compare it to gold, silver, and whatnot. And Bitcoin has its own stock to flow. As each halving happens, it gets more and more scarce. And um, he can show that these networks or you know assets all follow a continuum that's very predictable based on how scarce they are. And so it's a supply side. It's a supply side equation that does gives you an. What's nice is it gives you an absolute valuation. Right, because you absolutely like a lot of stuff doesn't. It just says we're going up or down. Like a lot of stuff I do is we're going up or down. Um, and when you start to introduce demand side to it, it, it's not stock to flow. You can't say this is a broken model because it's a supply side valuation model. When they're saying, well, there's going to be tapering and whatnot, and like you're, there's going to be less money to go into it. It's not the point of stock to flow. It's absolute scarcity and how how historically we have valued things through human behavior, and. Um, you know, if we print more money, then like that will affect, affect the stock to flow valuations of gold and silver and then Bitcoin. So that raises itself. I I, I would say like I don't know if stock um, Plan B is is doing that, um, but you know once you know you double the supply of um, US dollars, then you've really got to recalibrate stock to flow valuation of gold because it's just gone up and everything else goes up. But it doesn't invalidate the model. I think um, it's a pretty safe model in terms of what it claims to do. And um, it never gives you a price target that's exact because we've seen huge overshoots, but pretty much falls back onto that line. So, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think that argument's valid um, from Huobie. And listen to that Huobie. Willie Wu said your arguments aren't valid. Yeah, I haven't read the article, but if it's just they're saying there's not enough money to go into it, so it's going to not make it. Maybe they're saying that price prediction won't be hit. He, maybe they're not saying that this model is broken. He, they might say that like that we won't hit that price. But that's fine because it doesn't break yeah. the model. It just means no. that, well, we're close enough. It, it swings either side and eventually it might iron out another way. <laughs> I know. Right. It was just, just, it was following it so closely. It was like, it was freaky how close it was following it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think my uh, bet with American HODL is pretty safe now. Well, what, what was that again? Remind me. Um, uh, under over 300K, I took under. Oh, yeah, I think you're going to win that by the end of this year, right? Um, yeah, end of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I might even, uh, do you know what would make that bet interesting with him? To, to offer him a double or quits on under over 100K. Oh yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting because it's not all like we know how Bitcoin can move. We've got like thirty-five or so days to do it. Um, mm. you know, still, it's a lot. Like we're talking almost a two x from here, just yeah. under. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be on the safe side of it. I wonder if you'll. Te- I might text him. Yeah, live on the show. The pressure's on. American huddle. Yeah, pressure's on. Yeah, I think about that one. I just I like taking Bitcoin off him because I um I bought a football club, and I've already had a half a Bitcoin off. Him. If I can have a Bitcoin off him, he's essentially bought the football club for me. Oh, really? That's <laughs> awesome. You know, actually, he's on the right side of the. If he won, he'd be on the right side if you're betting on Bitcoin. Because if he wins, and then Bitcoin's at three hundred grand instead of he, you know. Yeah, it ends up at one dollar, and he gives you a one dollars worth of Bitcoin because it it didn't make it. I know, but you know what the funny thing was? Like it was one of those ones that I wouldn't have been like so bothered about losing. It was like, okay, I lost the bet, but Bitcoin's at three hundred k. Happy days. Yeah, exactly. You win either way. <laughs> either yeah. way, that's that's good. And then also, you can hedge it out on the options market. Yeah, well, I decided not to do that because I didn't feel like it was right. And also, I'd, I wouldn't have known what I was doing. I'd have been phoning you, Willie, and saying, Willie, how do I, how do I set this up? <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard, but yeah, you can hitch it out. <laughs> Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. And this show is brought to you by Compass Mining. 
And do you know what? They are not just a sponsor. I am also a customer of theirs, and I am now mining Bitcoin. And do you know what? I've been mining for three months now. I've already paid off one of my S19s, and I'm close to paying off the second one. It is so good to be back mining. And do you know what? I just really love these guys. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded, and now anyone can mine Bitcoin with Compass. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they will do everything else for you. If you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-G dot I-O. Next up is BlockFi, and you can now earn a $250 bonus in Bitcoin when you sign up with BlockFi, as they have recently launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature Card. Now, for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card is the easiest way for you to earn Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every card purchase and there is no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack sats with Bitcoin rewards on every purchase. You can also earn 2% in Bitcoin on every purchase over $50,000 of annual spend and you can also get 3.5% back in Bitcoin during your first three months of card ownership. But please do make sure you check out the terms for this. Now, if you're interested in finding out more, then please head over to blockfi.com forward slash Peter, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com forward slash P-E-T-E-R. And next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, and I have been a Ledger customer since way back in early 2017. And the Nano S I bought back then, yep, I'm still using that bad boy now. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can even connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up today, we have Gemini who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying. I have not sold a single sat through Gemini because we are in a bull market. And you know what? I just don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I'm a hodler. You're a hodler, right? Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I also set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about volcano bonds. Oh, yes, volcanoes. This is so interesting. I was talking to Lynn about this the other day. She was like, it's essentially what Michael Saylor did originally. But when you think about the game theory of it, 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 it makes total sense, right? You raise a billion, you lock up for five years, you put half of it into uh, a Bitcoin and the other half into mining and infrastructure. And that other, that other 500 million has to generate uh, 65 million a year to pay the coupon. So... You know, uh, but either way, like their their bet is, will Bitcoin be higher than it is now in five years? And your expectation is like, well, yeah, I mean, you would expect it to be what, like, even if you were on your most conservative, you would expect it to be a 3x from here right now. Even a 5x feels conservative. And um, on top of that, you have the Peter McCormack football club effect, right? Yeah. Even if you're not interested in football, you're interested in backing Bitcoin, so you're going to, like, sponsor it. And so, like, I think to many Bitcoiners, it's a big middle finger to the IMF, and they're Mm. just going to buy that as a vote against the IMF. Yeah. Um, So you've got that community aspect to it. So it's... And, you know, undoubtedly, uh, you know, it's very hard to argue that this is going to fail um, in in this this offering for El Salvador. I think um, the risk, there is risk, and the risk doesn't lie with El Salvador. Actually, it risk lies on Bitcoin mm. because um, if, for example, um, Bukele um, somehow, like, does something, you know, like he's got dictatorship level controls of of that country and then he becomes totalitarian or does like a bad kind of act um, for a state actor, um, then all other nation states can point the finger to Bitcoin. 
Mm-hmm. And and if you think about it, Bitcoin is a bottom-up technology. And here we've got the first time as top-down is fiat, which is by decree you have to take it. Um, and then um, we do all the stuff with Bitcoin that, that improves the welfare of that country. But then that country maybe goes through a different political um, shift. And, you know, we kind of saw this with other countries. You know, we even saw it with China to some degree where... And we opened up and became much more free market and a lot of entrepreneurs made a lot of billions building infrastructure and then now a lot of that power is being ceded back to the state and being very centralised. So, um, you know, the entrepreneur class was um, given freedom and was used to build that infrastructure and then, thank you very much, we can cede power. And, you know, it's the same with Bitcoin, let's, let's use this. But if... You know, Bukele changes his mind and concedes and pulls in the power and does something that's not acknowledged as good for um, its country. Um, people are going to point to Bitcoin, and that's going to be really hard for Bitcoin to recover from as a, you know, reserve currency or that the solution for um, sovereign states. So, I mean, I keep that in mind while everyone's like FOMOing over this is a great thing. I think there's risks for Bitcoin, not El Salvador, but the risk mm. lies in Bitcoin. I think some people are starting to realise that. I've seen some more kind of dissenting voices that are coming up. Um, I've like, uh, I mean, Gladstein has been questioning things for quite some time, as you would expect him to. You know, he is Human Rights Foundation, um, mm. but there have been some other, you know, dissenting voices starting to say, look, you know, you're starting to question Bukele. I think. I think we're going to see one of the questions answered soon is, will he run a second term? Um, which I think yeah. almost certainly he will. Uh, which is, you know, from my view is like, like I see both sides to it. I think it's bad because the constitution says you shouldn't. But I also think it's not a job you can do in a single term. And it's like halfway through this Bitcoin thing and you don't want somebody coming in and ruining it. Um, but I, I totally see your point. Like if 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 it turns bad, it's it's bad for Bitcoin. And... And has a reputational problem, and then people it will give ammo to the likes of the IMF and the World Bank and the US government to attack Bitcoin and say, "Listen, look, it's enabled a dictator or whatever." So, like, like I see it, but at the same time, it also could usher in a whole new era of uh, bonds, which are Bitcoin bonds, because the game theory does work out. I mean, look, if they did ten of these bonds over ten years, they'll be taking five billion dollars of Bitcoin off the market. I'll be a lot more happy if Latin America takes that initiative and they all start to go on a Bitcoin standard. And um, now we've got a cluster of countries and it's more decentralized in terms of nation states that are doing different experiments. And like, if you go bad, you go, well, these ones did well and these ones didn't. And these are the reasons why. It's not because of Bitcoin. Um, so that would be good. That's that's way, that would be a positive end of it, right? And I, I think also... I mean, I'd I'd prefer him to have another term so that this experiment can come to a fruition and we can see that experiment rather than it just get deep, you know, deconstructed. Um, so that that's good. I'm I'm also thinking how like things work in America now, which is actually bottom up, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the hodlers, then you've got like um, the hedge funds and family offices coming in, and then you've got Michael Saylor leading the charge with um, corporate treasuries, and then you've got the banks now like acknowledging the need to banking on Bitcoin, like, and then you've got now um, regulatory um, openings and acknowledgement, and at least um, some sort of um, you know rules being made to account for Bitcoin and and so forth, and you've got senators that backing it and not, and it's all bottom up, right? It's mm. not by decree. And um, and it's messy, and it's like all proper democracies should be messy and and chaotic um, because everyone gets their um, say. And you know, I, I feel like that's almost more healthy. Um, America is doing, I think, a pretty like it's a pretty well. It's more compatible to Bitcoin. America's. Um, you know, the U.S. is very decentralized with all the different states and each one has their own policy. And I, I like that, you know, it's bottom up. Um, like right now, El Salvador is in a fragile position for Bitcoin. If this is not successful or something screws screws up in El Salvador and it goes bad because of political stuff, it's going to be 
blamed on Bitcoin. So now that that started, I think the next thing to get to safety for Bitcoin is for other nations to adopt it. Like, Agreed. see it's working, they're going to adopt it. And then we can get back to that decentralized um, view of like, you know, anti-fragile, and that didn't work, this did, and it's not Bitcoin's fault. Well, it might be their bond that does that, because I think their traditional bond rates are 13%, and so they're offering this bond out at 6.5%, which is half what their traditional bonds pay, but uh, we, we all Is that understand. for small um, sovereign nations, or is that like bonds in the bond market? Bonds in the bond market. So their bonds in the bond market yeah. are 13%, because obviously they're seen as like higher risk, you know, so they have to pay it's a like premium. corporate bonds and stuff, right? But this is different. This is a sovereign nation bond. Well, no, I mean the Bitcoin bond is a sovereign nation bond, but they have they do do- like traditional dollar bonds in the bond market, um, right? Okay, uh, sovereign bonds, and they're, they're they're traditionally at thirteen percent, and like this is half of that. But and you know, Hanky went out on Twitter and like questioned this, but obviously he doesn't understand Bitcoin. The reason you're more likely to buy this bond is like it's a Bitcoin backed bonds. So they're going to be buying Bitcoin and they're going to be mining Bitcoin. So the game theory says like if Bitcoin does its thing, this bond is is quite a safe bond. The interesting yeah. thing is is once once the bond like is issued for you know I don't know for sale, I guess well, I don't know what you would say, but like once it's out there in the market, how quickly it closes. If they close that bond within like a few days. Imagine that bond closes in a few days. They, yeah, they they're oversubscribed. It's like the the Bitcoin ICO. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, like, but, but then other smaller One nations. Done. But other similar sized nations, smaller nations might be looking. Go, huh? Yeah. Hold on a second. So we can do a Bitcoin backed bond. We can pay a a, a lower rate. We can close quickly, and like get, game theoretically, like if we hold half of it in Bitcoin. Like this, this will be a great investment for the country. So that might be the thing that leads to like, yeah, they do ten, and then who else does them? Does Ukraine do them? Does Costa Rica do them? You know, do other countries yeah, like does Paraguay do them? Does Argentina like who? And then suddenly you have this whole bond market in, in uh, this Bitcoin backed bond market build up, and then obviously, yeah, things will go bananas. Yeah, and no, I agree. And it's like, I mean, the, this bond will not outperform Bitcoin, but like we've got 100 million, 200 million people betting for Bitcoin and we're like, you know, I'll buy some just to like middle finger to the status quo mm. and um, bet for the little guys. And I think like most of these guys that are backing this is in it for the change, you know, they're in it for the freedom and... You know, that's when we talk about yields, thirteen percent versus this. I think most Bitcoin, it's going to be the Bitcoiners that buy it. I don't know if we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if traditional investors will be looking at this as much as the Bitcoiners. And the Bitcoiners will say, "Give me a tranche, screw it. This is an opportunity to like, you know." Actually, it's like game theoretics. Like, if I do this and they win, then other people are going to follow, follow with this bond thing. Other sovereign nations are going to, like, take up the Bitcoin train and then we get richer because we're holding Bitcoin, right? Well, we um, do. But, but also... Yeah, so and we get to middle finger the status quo, which we just detest. Yeah, and it could break. Like, like it could really damage the traditional bond market because those yields are so low. And what are those backed yeah. by? Like a US Treasury, uh, what is it, 1.47%, negative yielding, like on real terms because of the inflation rate. And what is it yep. backed by? You know, it's not backed by anything. It's backed by the government say they'll pay it. And the, it's, you know, it's backed by the money printer. So do you want a bond backed by them? I could, by the way, I, I might be completely out of my depth here, but do you want a bond backed by the money printer or do you want a bond backed by Bitcoin? I'd much rather have a bond backed by Bitcoin that's offering me 6.5% versus 1.47%. <laughs> it's like, it's a no fucking brainer. Well, like if it's the US, it's a bond. It's a bond backed by a sovereign nation with the guns that are going to protect the the oil that's backing it, um, which has just demonstrated they can't defend Afghanistan <laughs> against, um, you know, the Taliban. <laughs> so you know that's getting weaker. The US dollar is getting weaker on fundamentals. But isn't, isn't the US government buying up their own bonds? That's what like that's what's yeah, saving yeah, the, de- yeah. the demand. So it's really the the money printer is supporting their own bond market. 
it's you know it's end game really for the US dollar as it is it's constructing fiat and then the push is really the C central bank digital currencies which um, you know leverage much more control over every individual and um, you know that's the next step and you know well the freedom is suffering um, immensely especially with this COVID experiment where like it's so ridiculous amounts of freedoms being mm-hmm. um, like effectively Eroded. taken off citizens um, and um, like I don't know I just think like Bitcoin is awoke and they see this thing as a vote for freedom um, I, I think this is this is like this is like um, like an activist bond <laughs> to me. I think because the people that are going to buy it are the Bitcoiners. They understand how the world works and monetary policy, and um, they're going to buy this as as a vote. Um, it's it's going to be a vote rather than a yield. I think this is a this is a um, this is like a volcano vote rather than a volcano bond. Volcano um, vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, Bukele like trolling Sweden about this. I don't know if you saw. The Sweden, I mean, no, you did because <laughs> you tweeted. But well, you tweeted about it because uh, because I these, retweeted someone. Yeah, so the Swedish government has come out saying we need to regulate Bitcoin. We need to end Bitcoin mining because it's bad for the environment. And then Sweden's own state-owned power company, uh, mm-hmm. Sweden's like largest. Uh, fossil-free energy producer just they rejected the entire notion of this. Uh, yeah, bef- well, they before. were saying this helps the environment. Yeah, and if you ban this, it's going to damage the environment. And you know, I think most of us realize that all they're doing is like backing their friends at the European Central Bank to protect mm-hmm. the euro. Well, they're circling now, um, and it's really hard to take a lot of these people seriously. I mean, it was already difficult, but. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, for me, someone like Hillary Clinton, so why has she got a seat at the table anymore? Yeah. No, it's... I mean, like, the political class now, it's just like, I I do believe that majority of um, people with, like, social media, and maybe I'm in a bubble, maybe all Bitcoiners are in a bubble, you know, likes of Will Clemente, Dylan... <laughs> This is all gaslighting by the um, by the the political class, yeah. and it's they're just playing a propaganda game and blaming on other things like Elon Musk. <laughs> We've got to tax you. You're a scarcious society, and it's like what the fuck, right? Yeah, it's it's like what what has the political class done lately, other than print more money and create hardship and reallocate money from the poor to the rich, um, the rich unproductive. Not the rich productive, actually. Well, it's um, it's like Harry Suddock says. He's like the the thing about Bitcoin is that it it uh, delegitimizes the political class whilst rewarding the productive class. Uh, yeah. And I think that I think your point about the um, the gaslighting is like it's super important. Did you see like Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was alluding to. It's like, like what the. She's like, you know, it's like, I think they've lost touch with, like, they're so old they've lost touch. That's what I think. Well, Um, they've got got desperate, let's be honest. They've got absolutely desperate because it's like, I'm going to read the tweet, the Elizabeth Warren one. So she's retweeted a Business Insider article, America's Bitcoin, uh, biggest companies can't stop bragging to investors. And she said, wondering why your Thanksgiving groceries are more this year? It's because greedy corporations are charging Americans extra to keep their stock prices high. This is outrageous. It's such a bullshit virtue signal. I'm like interested to see like Jeff Booth's response, right? He's like the mm. guy that says, you know, we're in a deflationary um, technology cycle. All of those corporations are pushing the boundaries of technology to deliver to you goods and services Cheaper and cheaper every day. And the only reason why they stay the same or getting more expensive is because the freaking politicians are printing more money to keep that status quo. Everything should be getting cheaper because of these corporations and the productivity of our entrepreneurial class. Um, so it's like, it's a total gaslighting. It's the opposite that's happening. And um, I'm just hoping the public are like Bitcoiners that are woke to what's actually happening. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I, I, we are in a bubble, so who knows, right? Who knows? I mean, I try and talk to my friends about this, and they're just like not hearing it. They're seeing four point two percent inflation in the UK, and they're just not seeing this as being a particularly big issue. 
I'm just struggling to get through it through to them. Whereas like us in our Bitcoin bubble, we're all like, this is bullshit, what's going on? Yada yada. Yeah, it's not even real race. It's not even six point two. It's probably yeah, it's, they keep changing the metrics, right? The yeah. the CPI is not the same as it was the CPI in nineteen seventies. I think um, is it shadow stats that that keep track of the same um, like ways to measure um, shadow stats? That's a really good service. Um, like someone posted a global heat map of the countries, and this looks very dire. Oh, know, dude! The red like, ones are I was talking to him. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to him last night. That's. Um, let me dig it up. Uh, right, let me try and dig it out because I know the guy you mean. I like messaged him last night because he put it up on Twitter. Where is he? Uh, Sam Wooters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? And his commentary on it was like kind of heartbreaking because he's like the saddest. He said the saddest image I've ever made. I think we need a Bitcoin standard yesterday, and like highlighting inflation. I looked at that and I was like, and it, it showed these kind of poor emerging countries and they're like maybe in the start of hyperinflation. And I'm like, dude, the US is in double-digit inflation if you're using like the 1970s standards for CPI. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, it, but, but it's hidden. Like we're only seeing 4% inflation. I was like, that's because it's cooked numbers. Well, I'll tell you something even, even scarier. I mean... Uh, two things that happened this week. Firstly, Turkey's inflation rates up like twenty percent. Erdogan's uh, policies have absolutely failed, and typical dictator blaming everyone else, right? Uh, but they're targeting five percent inflation. They actually—that's their target to get to. So their target is to get mm. to a place where they're only stealing five percent a year. But even more crazy, this one came out well, today. That's CPI, right? That's not money printing. It's higher. The money printing's higher. Yeah, that's the stealing. The CPI is just the way to camouflage the the stealing. Yeah, but the the, the news that came out to Poland. So Poland announces tax cuts to soften inflation blow. Poland will cut taxes on petrol, gas, and electricity, and provide cash payments to households in a program worth up to 10 billion zlotys, $2.4 billion, designed to help people mm-hmm. deal with high inflation, the Prime Minister said on Thursday. And look, reducing taxes and uh, with that, hopefully reducing the size of government so you can afford to cut taxes would make sense. But this idea of providing cash payments to households to help them deal with inflation, is like, well, hold on a second. Where's that, where are those cash payments coming from? Like mm-hmm. is the, is this the start of like is this like the early stages of the Weimar Republic? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, right. exactly. printing money it's to deal like, with inflation leads to more inflation. It's really nice, right? You cut taxes, it makes you popular, and then you you do the hidden tax, which I don't see. You actually send checks to make to buy their vote. Um, and uh, but like, you know, I think there's also a contrary side is that if you're going to print money to stimulate the economy, um, I would rather than give it out to the public. Retail. Of course. Um, what's happening in the states is it being printed, and the majority of those checks go to the corporations. Um, so it's 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 the guys that are close. The Cantillian effect, right? It's yeah. the guys that are closest to money printing get richer. Um, it doesn't actually go to retail because if, if it goes to retail, they will allocate their capital where they see fit in a very decentralized manner, and um, it won't like like if you go to the rich, they're just going to build their. Um, um, you know, protective lobbying power to do defend their um, you know, like golden goose there. Whether you're like um, hold a monopoly and you want to maintain that, like banking, um, and then you're going to lobby for an infrastructure bill that's going to screw over crypto. Like, I mean, that's that's the problem. Is like if you were to print that money and then give it to the people at the bottom that need it, and they're going they'll allocate that capital more efficiently. If, um, because they're not about protectionism because they've got nothing to protect. Um, so, I mean, if they were going to print, like, and actually that's what happens with um, crypto in a way because, um, like, you know, if, if you were to destroy money, you, that value goes to everybody because um, you've burnt your coins. Um, it's, and, you know, once we get to that that full supply it's it's impossible for you to do that hidden tax. And like, if we printed money and we distributed to everybody, you're not actually um, stealing, right? You distribute to your 
population. And that would still stimulate the economy. So I actually think it's okay to pay those checks out, but if you're going to do it, do it 100%. Um, then you're not stealing. Well, it's how, no, but it's like how you do it. Like, are you printing money to write the checks to deal with inflation? Because that becomes a cyclical problem. Yeah. I mean... And if you're cutting taxes, like, like you're, you're cu- cutting income to government when you're already dealing with inflation. Yeah, it's... Look, uh, I think when you're in inflation, you've got to let the thing run and you've got to let the free markets find its its norm. And if you keep fucking with it, you just go into hyperinflation, right? And um, They're going to keep fucking with it, will they? Well, yeah, they, they, they are, right? Because there's other agendas at play, including popularity and being in power. Um, because that that's the great thing about it. Um, if you can print money, you get the popular vote and you stay in power to destroy mm-hmm. more of the economy because the way you got into power was to destroy the economy. <laughs> so it's incentivized um, destruction of the economy. Motherfuckers. We should uh, we should talk a little bit more about Bitcoin because we always avoid this and this is really a Bitcoin show. But <laughs> I before, thought you didn't want to talk about Bitcoin anymore. <laughs> I do, just a little bit. But uh, before that, and I know I shouldn't talk about this, but I do want to ask you about ETH fees. I like I'm happy to talk about protocols if it's a, if it kind of if it rationalizes why Bitcoin's design is best or the approach is best. But the the stuff with ETH fees seems a little bit crazy at the moment, especially I was following this happen with this like. DAO, where they try to raise the money for the constitution, and basically something ridiculous like half the money was lost in fees because I read something like the guy had to buy ETH and he had to turn ETH into something else and then turn something into something else. And by the time he'd like sent his whatever dollars, $200 to the DAO, they had like $75 or $100 afterwards. I'd, my numbers might be wrong. I'll find the, I'll put the advice article in the show notes so people can actually see it. We're, but like we're fees are, those, yeah. yeah, like what is going on with ETH fees? And like, is, is this an existential threat to ETH? Um, you know, I saw people have been saying, well, if you use Solana, you like you have lower fees, but won't they eventually be in the same place? Like, is this something you're tracking at all? It's a big topic, you know. Yeah. And like Bitcoin went through this um 2017 scaling wars, and we, we saw a spike in, in Bitcoin land, and then we built more efficiencies, and then uh, now we've got layer twos, which are you know, lightning, and now you've got a nation state using for payments and so scaling eventually got solved, and I think scaling will get solved with ETH with their layer twos, um, like uh, and like zk rollup. Don't ask me exactly what that is. I'm not like a coder technologist, but there is ways you can take it onto a higher layer, just like Lightning did, but completely different ways for smart contracts. ETH is in this very weird situation. It's both a strength and a weakness. Is that it's a monetary asset that competes with Bitcoin um, without the sort of, um, you know, guarantees that security and um, security guarantees and, and, um, you know, monetary policy guarantees. But um, it does, there's no questioning, it does compete. I know plenty of family offices and even some corporate treasuries that hold ETH. Um, So it is being used as an inflation hedge. You've seen JP Morgan say it might be better investment than um, Bitcoin and shit like that. But... You know, while it's got this monetary policy thing, like this monetary property thing, it's got this other thing, which is it's a smart contracts compute engine where people are building really interesting experiments and products that are useful on it that is demanding um, block space. I was pushing fees through the roof because of this. And then, like, you know, they've done this thing where they're going to harvest that fee and burn their own token to push the monetary side you know, like to create more scarcity, to push the monetary agenda. Um, so they've gone on a rock and a hard place because they've got this um, compute engine that is really skyrocketing the fees because of the demand on the block space. And then you've got this monetary side that's yielding that that demand to push the price up. Um, and so it's. I feel like it's like um, Bitcoin in 2017 mm. where, um, you know, you've got scaling was and everything's congested and people are saying, ah, oh, bail to um, Litecoin and shit like that, right? Um, but then meanwhile, you've got a lot of these layer twos that are coming on and I think they're in a hard place right now, but I think they'll get through it um, and fees will drop. And then we've got to figure out whether or not um, they win against Solana and AVAX and 
Polkadot and all the competitors. And um, we're seeing, the interesting thing we're seeing is that apps are jumping, right? They're like deciding, no, nah, I'm not going to build on Ethereum, I'm going to build on Solana. And, and um, they don't take this lightly because there's billions at stake for them and they need network effects on the other platform before they want to jump. Um, that's the hardest bit. But this whole experiment has shown that um, Ethereum being a compute platform is like what we've seen in, um, you know, dev um, technology where you have all of these technology platforms and people will jump. And, um, you know, we, we, Twitter was built on Ruby on Rails, you know, this yeah. language that was popular at this time and now it's not. It's jumped to platforms, but it's still Twitter and the app's still there and the users still use it, but we don't really give a shit what underlying compute is underneath it. And I think that's happening and it, it shows that, Competition is wide open for um, that sort of compute layer for smart contracts. Computing the finance engine is wide open. Um, Ethereum's both monetary and compute, and any any one of these networks that wins a lot of adoption will then become like um, somewhat monetary whilst they're in that you know hybrid mode, and that balance will need to be struck. Um, so that's my thoughts. I think that, that it's hard they'll get through it. Um, they're in the middle of forging the monetary side of it, um, which they really, you know, decided they'd go down with the Ethereum Improvement Protocol one five five nine. You know, that, that was the that was it's like we're going to make this monetary. We're going to make scarcity a thing, and it's going to be the detriment temporarily to our compute side. All right. Fair. It seemed like a stupid idea, but fair. Okay, let's finish with some Bitcoin, because that's what people are here for. They'll be bitching at me in the YouTube comments, <laughs> complaining. But, I mean, what the general message is, buy the fucking dip, right? Yeah, I agree with it. Um, I mean, I, I just see it as consolidation, right? Um, I mean, I, I said that in the newsletter. We're going to consolidate. Um, I said that last dip as well as consolidating. Like, consolidation means it comes down, it finds, it tests, and then it moves up without crashing. Um, and we're, uh, it's, we're really, like, as it's consolidating, demand's increasing, the hodlers are buying, the speculative guys are um, actually, they're holding, holding strong for their swing trade um, while the, the hodlers are buying more. So there's not a lot of selling. Um, if anything, we're just waiting for the derivative guys that are just in it for the short um, futures contract to give up on their long position and then um, get out of that trade. And then once they're all out, then the price can move up. Um, and we're getting quite close. Like the drift of stata I'm, I'm looking at is we're, we're probably within a few days away from the next leg moving up. Um, just just need to see um, the trend continue. But we're very close to that consolidation bottom undoubtedly um, a lot of demand, a lot of coins being scooped off exchanges. Um, it's also a weird time of the year. Um, like tax season upon us and people are starting to sell down to pay taxes. Um, also hedge funds, uh, end of year, they don't really want to do stuff. A lot of traders want to take plan for their um, you know, Christmas holidays, so the fireworks looks like it's um, really geared to the start of next year. So I feel like we're going to be in this consolidation most of December. I'd be very surprised if we do the Plan B $34,000 um, green candle <laughs> in one month. Um, I feel like it's going to fizzle sideways and then January we, we start to pick up pace again. Um, so, yeah, like I feel like we're... Um, Again, you know, a couple of days out, maybe even sooner. Um, but days out from finding our consolidation um, bottom and, and a good move up. Um, it might have started already, but um, yeah. But on-chain's always been bullish. It's been like we're buying, we're buying, we're buying. Um, and the guys that can dump their speculative swing trade are not dumping. So um, it's all good, you know, nothing to be worried about. Um, and that's key, right, to know... To know that this thing ain't gonna like cave, um, there's nothing in the on-chain structure that's saying the the guys that never sell and suddenly selling like we mm. saw in May, uh, it was like whoa, see change. These guys that have been buying and now dumping. Bullish, bullish. Why well, might get in touch with American Hoddle, drop him a text, and say, "Come on, you want another bet?" 
under over 100 yeah i think you're, you're, you're uh, uh, if i can make a synthetic cdo and make a a bet on your bet i'd bet on your side <laughs> so you <laughs> don't your, think i bet that um ben mccormack will win can we do a bet who's, who's up you, for that bet? so you think we'll stay under 100k by the end of the year yeah i'm pretty sure Damn. we might have a rally but i don't think we'll make it 100k and if anything i think we're going to spend another few weeks consolidating to find the all-time high and then if we break then things will move faster but then you're into days to to make thirty thousand dollar green candle and i'm like "Mm, it's gonna be tricky um but uh yeah i'd bet on you winning the the 100k one um which is more of a bet right it could go either way Mm, with that Um, yeah i think that's super interesting (laughs) Like, um, you know, it can do it. Like in January, we had like a move from 23 to 40. And that was, wow, that was like over two weeks. It's doable when this thing runs. If it runs, it's like chaos theory, you know. It's one or the other. It's binary. And it's really hard. You know, like people say, what's your price prediction at the end of the year? And it's like, well, everything's gearing up to pop sometime near the end of the year or early next year. And depending on where you cut that day, it's going to be a huge price difference. Um, well, especially if we, get a spot, if we get the spot ETF. Yeah, though I don't think that's going to happen. No. I don't think the, the, the powers that be want that. Um, nope. Nope, they don't. Nope, they don't. All right, well, listen, look, if he uh, takes me up on the bet, I'll let you know. And that'll make it more exciting towards the end of the year. Yeah, cool. All right, Willie. Awesome, man. Well, listen, we've uh, we got one show. We've got to do it. Some we've got to do an end of year thing at some point. <laughs> Figure that out. Like, uh, is it going to be? Uh, woohoo! We won the bet. Like, uh, you won the bet. It's American Huddle celebrations. I don't know because because we might do it just beforehand. So we might be wrestling on something like ninety k. Like, Willie, fuck's sake! I'm going to lose this bet now. This is your fault. You could do it like a party, um, but that's like that'd be best live. I think. Um, yeah. online party with all of your guests <laughs> maybe man alright well listen good talk to you man have a great month okay man I will see you in December alright you too okay thanks for listening to what Bitcoin did if you want to get in touch you want to reach out to me the best thing to do is head over to my telegram channel or you can hit me up on my email which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com and if you want to support the show please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review okay see you all very very soon